Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, here with George Mays for a free-for-all Friday. Here we are. Here we are, George, and one of the things that came up this summer that we're going to, that's what we're going to hit up on this episode, it, it, it like comes up every couple of years, mm-hmm. but we haven't done it yet. It's the did, ba- did, did David rape Bathsheba argument, and it like blows Twitter up, you know? Right. You got the people arguing like back and forth, like anathematizing each other over it and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go, we'll deal with it. We're going to jump in there. Uh, that's going to be kind of like the uh, more serious part of our podcast. Yeah. But I, th- I think you've got some stuff. I got a, I got a couple of things you for you, You saved a little I got surprises a, I got for a, me. I got a couple of things for you. Well, uh, you know, I'm always on the lookout. Yeah. So if I ever find something, if I ever <laughs> find something, I, I think Shay would really find that funny <laughs> i try to save it all right so i found this uh i found this clip <laughs> of a pastor going off on his congregation yeah uh let's watch the video okay <laughs> and then we can talk about it a okay little bit. let's do it all right let all me right. I, I gotta refresh it because it immediately starts playing kansas but... city pastor calls congregation cheap busted and disgusting that's the title all right you ready <laughs> you ready for this Jay? all right all right broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it no how. Oh, goodness. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. Uh, Mother, ooh, I'm saying this, and I promise you, Deacon, it is not with respect of won't. I'm saying it because I want you to understand just what God is saying. I even found out that Movado, you can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. <laughs> the whole way in what? August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. <laughs> <laughs> I know you still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs> George, he reminds me of the guy of that coming to America. You remember that pastor on coming to America? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what he. Do sounds you know like. what a Movado watch is? No, I don't. I didn't know what it was. I, uh, I so I looked it up. You can find it right here. Movado. Mm. Look at these things. That's a Movado watch. Mm. So this pastor apparently, apparently he. Asked his congregation to buy him a Movado watch, and they haven't done it. Jay, <laughs> the audacity of the church—they will not buy their pastor a Movado watch. Really? Uh, here's really? how much the Movado watches are: oh six hundred ninety-five dollars. Is that's there's a few that are a little cheaper. I think five ninety-five. But dude. yeah, six six ninety-five. I mean, we're not we're not talking Rolexes. That yeah. can run thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars. But uh, and it's, he still he he asked for he asked for a Movado watch. The congregation has not has not uh, bought him one, and so I ran across this this story here on NBC News. Missouri pastor says congregation is poor, broke, busted for not buying him a luxury Movado watch. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world, man? I'm not worth your McDonald's money. 
it's not it's not even a good those those watches aren't even good looking. Yeah, it's not. For yeah, the people that are listening, the watch they're like uh what what, what would be the style? Mod, it's a modern It's a mod yeah, it's, it's modern. modern looking. It doesn't have any numbers or or symbols simple. on it. It's there's very no simple. there's Sim- no minute there's no minute markings. There's nothing on it. It's yeah. like and they're all the same color, like blue band. It looks like like a it looks like an iWatch band. You get like a iWatch band and then and then it's a uh, blue Blue watch, blue band. I mean, they look they look cheap. Yeah, they look like they something. They look cheap. It looks but, like something like Evangeline would make for me uh, <laughs> while she's in Sunday school for church. <laughs> I mean, it looks it it doesn't look like it should cost seven hundred dollars. No, nah. but uh, I I it just caught my eye because he uh, he's ranting at them for not buying him this watch. Yeah, and he's he's insulting them. They're yeah, yeah. poor, broken, busted. For not doing it. You know I asked for one I, I last thought, year, Jay. Yeah. He, he sounds like the guy. He sounds like the guy on, on coming to America. He sounds like he sounds like a spoiled little kid. Yeah. You know I asked for one for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh pastors don't do that. And if you're at a church where your pastor starts um yelling at you because you didn't buy him something. Maybe go to a different church. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not a whole lot we can say about that. I just thought it was funny. Uh, but here's another thing that's funny for you, Jay. Uh, we've been talking about this. Um, we uh, the It's been all over the news that uh, the government is uh, hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. Um, And some of them, not all 87,000, but it's like the special forces of the IRS are supposed to to be okay um, using deadly force. Yeah. Making arrests. Making arrests. Using deadly force. Why though? That's my question. It's like, why don't they just have regular police make the arrest? You know what I mean? Like, why you got to do it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so the first, so it, it's it's triggered everyone because that they've said they're they're hiring eighty seven thousand agents, mm-hmm. and it went around that they they wanted eighty seven thousand agents who could use deadly force. Mm-hmm. That's that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That they're they're not hiring eighty seven thousand. They're not hiring like a, a small right. military. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them will probably have you know desk jobs, mm-hmm. but there are there are some that will be agents in the field. Taking down, you know, um, the ice cream truck, the <laughs> taking down the lemonade stand that your kid puts uh, up in right. the summertime. Yeah, yeah. Put your hands on your head. Um, you didn't buy a permit for this lemonade. You're not. So it's Texas. still. <laughs> I mean, there's there's still a lot of reasons for concern. You got to get those kids, man, and the high, those high school kids. Yeah, the fraud, but, the fraud uh, and abuse, George. They they mow lawns and they get paid in cash. Yeah. Um, take them down. But some videos have surfaced of uh, IRS training mm-hmm. um, and these agents with their with their guns. Mm. And uh, if this is if this is the norm, I don't think we have a whole lot to be worried about. <laughs> All right. All right. So I found Let's this uh, found this video uh, on Twitter. The uh, <laughs> the tweet itself is this is real. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's real, uh, let's watch let's watch this this video. Uh, it's two minutes long. 
A lady coming in with body armor on doesn't even fit her. Other, other, up. Oh, what? There, here comes a guy in a wheelchair with body armor on. Mm-hmm. I, I got to describe this video for people. This guy right here, not this not guy, the, not the guy in front. This, this guy, guy just this came guy from right a, here. This he, guy right here. <laughs> oh my goodness! This guy That's right. My, this is my favorite guy. This right guy here. right here weighs about probably like three fifty. This is my favorite guy He's right going here. Bald. The guy behind him just came from a Luke Byron concert. He's got on those gemmed out jeans. You never, right, you never, George, you never have to fear a man in a gemmed out jean. All right, here we go, Jay. They're about to breach. <laughs> they're breaching. They're about to breach a room. Oh goodness! He, they're flagging each other, George. They're, they're they're pointing the guns at each other in the back. They're pointing the guns in the back of each other's heads, George. George, no, you're triggering me. They're all flagging each other. They're clearing the room and they're all pointing their guns at each other. Oh my! Gosh. This guy's not sure what he's doing. Look at him. <laughs> look at the look at the ladies. <laughs> George, what is happening? Uh, He said, "Sir, I just came from a Luke Byron concert. I have loads Where's he of going? confidence." Right I don't now. even know where he's going. <laughs> he just he just walked off. Look at her. <laughs> Look at this lady. Look at this lady right here. Look at this guy. <laughs> this guy has his thumb up on the back of the gun. He's gonna blow his thumb off. He pulls the trigger. <laughs> oh my goodness, George. Yeah, we have nothing to worry about. Did you did you hear? I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> this, George, this is this is this is hilarious, man. Please turn around. Good night. There you go. There's your uh, there's your. IRS. These people are going to all shoot themselves, George. <clears throat> see them all coming in? Uh-huh. They come in the door. They just swinging their guns around at each other. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Oh, man. Oops. Oh, no. I know that voice. Sorry, that's uh, that's that's for a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, uh, I thought that was a, I thought that was a pretty funny, funny video. You're right about that. Funny and. Like that big guy, he, he like walked off. Yeah. It's like where yeah, are you going? You guys got this handled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had the the guy that looks. Um, <laughs> all of them look like they've had death jobs. Yeah. You had the the one guy who looked like an accountant. He uh, only he was only holding his gun with one hand. He had his had his thumb up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh government just does everything so so good george sir sir i've got a gun <laughs> george all right i don't know if you can share this info or not but you you uh you with the gun you saying the gun i've got a gun made me think of it can you share the story with everyone that you shared with me yesterday are you allowed to do that Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Why not? <laughs> I don't know the names of anybody. Okay. I don't even know the location. I I just know it was not in Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. But it, it's too good. Oh, well, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not good. It's really bad. But it's so ridiculous. You just have to. You just have to share it. 
with the world. The world has to know. Sure, sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the name of the of the church or or any of the any of the the leaders. So I, I don't see why I couldn't share it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a uh, friend of ours was telling a, a story from a, a church in a different state, and uh, this was towards the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Okay. Uh, one of their older members died from COVID, a longtime faithful member. And so they were going to have the funeral at the church. Uh, on the day of the funeral, I guess uh, it was, it, they were informed that um, uh, a few of the family members had tested positive for COVID, um, but they were still going to come to the funeral. Now, what's really funny about this is that the senior pastor is like on vacation. That's He's not even there. Yeah, so the associate, the associate pastor is, is going to do the funeral. Um, well, one of, the, uh, one of the elders of the church, he was not okay with it. <laughs> he was not okay. <laughs> he was not okay with people with COVID coming into the church building. Um, well, you don't even know if they have COVID. Well, I mean, they tested positive, I, I think. I th- okay. Yeah. Um, but it's a funeral. They're trying. Yeah, they're it's just funeral. Trying to, they're gonna. I mean, this is an. Old, I mean, this is. They're just trying to do a funeral. Yeah. Um, Bury a guy. Yeah. Uh, the funeral procession shows up to the church, and this one elder holds them at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts, man. And says, "You are not coming in this building." <laughs> That's crazy, dude. I. I I mean, if if, <laughs> if there's something that just highlights the 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 hysteria mm-hmm. behind the whole COVID yeah. stuff, it's a pastor of a church holding a, a funeral, fam, a funeral procession at and a family point. at gunpoint, yeah, because you're so you're so terrified that yeah, you're gonna get COVID. Um, and can you imagine, can you imagine being the senior pastor, you're on vacation with your family and you get a call from the associate pastor, so-and-so's got a gun pointed at this family. That's nuts, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? That church didn't survive COVID. There's no way. I think it caused a split. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it caused a split. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. They ended up, I guess they ended up having the funeral at the funeral home. Probably a wise, a wise move on the family's on the family's part. But can you? I mean, I mean, we saw it all over, mm-hmm. all over Twitter and and Facebook. People just going crazy over COVID. But you're willing to shoot somebody so that you don't get COVID? Yeah, off the chance. It's yeah. a long way. <clears throat> that's a long ways from pastors uh, staying in the city when the plague hit. Yeah, to yeah. minister to people. Luther and Calvin yeah, going, going to going the homes. We've come a long ways from the plague to yeah, where we'll right. hold people up at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty nuts. That is crazy, man. That is nuts. Well, should we jump into our actual serious discussion? Sure. All right. I don't. I can't think of a better segue than. Holding yeah. a holding a funeral procession yeah. at gunpoint. Yeah, we'll to have to we'll in, have yeah. to put a mark uh, for people at the beginning. Say, hey, if you want to listen to the, the actual serious stuff, go to, <laughs> go to the. Uh, if you want to skip the nonsense? Yeah, go to sixteen minute mark. All right, all right. So let's talk about this. Okay, this is uh, this has become like a a test for a lot of people. Like 
where do you land on the David Bathsheba thing and where you land on it, some people may be so bold as to call you an abuse enabler mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. Right. Um, it's like it, it's like a test nowadays for like, are you a faithful pastor mm-hmm. or not? Yeah. Will you say that uh, David raped Bathsheba? <clears throat> so I thought it'd be good for us just to <clears throat> let's talk about where this came from. This argument, why is why is it emerged? Kind of who's pushing it out there, and um, is there any legitimacy to it? And maybe try to be graceful because, like I told you before, I think the best argument for it, John Piper has given it, and I think he tries to give an argument from the Bible. Um, but I think there are maybe some other textual reasons why I would push back against kind of some of the things he, he said mm-hmm. by by what's said and what's not said. Um, so we'll just let's let's talk about it. Where did this where did this thing come from? The first time I ever heard about it, I heard about it from Rachel Den Hollander. Am I saying her last name right? Really? She was the uh, she was the first abuse victim. She was the, you know uh, the gymnast, the mm-hmm. U.S. Women's Olympics gymnast. She's the first one to come out about Larry Nassar, that like serial abuser who was right. inappropriately touching the gymnasts and stuff. Yeah, and I don't really know what else went on with that. I didn't look into it too much, but and eventually got convicted. Mm-hmm. She was the first to come out, and now I think maybe she's got some degrees in, I don't know what, but this is like her specialty now. She's like in a uh, a victim advocate, I think is kind of the best way thing that I would call her. She's yeah, a, she's viewed as a, as an expert. Yeah, an abuse expert, a, yeah. a victim's advocate type of a lady. So um, that's so, the first time I ever heard of this, yeah. and and so I don't. Do you want to show that video of her? Do you well, want to talk more about it? <laughs> Let's um, let's start with reading the passage. Okay, and um, so we're all on the same page in that regard. All right, um, and then I will uh, I'll show uh, we'll we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So if you have your Bibles, you'll want to turn to Second Samuel eleven. Yeah. Second Samuel eleven, and we'll just read the first five verses, um, and then we can get then we can get into. Okay. Where we're going. Um, so Second Samuel chapter eleven, the first five verses. Well let's set let's set up some just very basic stuff. Sure. David is the king of Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um if you're not you're not familiar with it, David is the king. Um he has a friend, a longtime friend, one of his mighty men, he's got a den of mighty men, Uriah the Hittite, has been with David. Since Saul was after David, like since they are running around the wilderness avoiding Saul, mm-hmm. uh, your eye has been with them. Right. Okay. So now we can kind of jump into it. All right. So it reads In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So already we've we've set the stage, and David is already um, sinning. Yeah, at the time when kings go to right. battle. When kings go to battle, David sent his his army. He stayed behind at Jerusalem. Yeah. So already he's he's he is being portrayed as acting in an unkingly way. And David is a warrior king. <laughs> right, he's not, this right, is not like yeah. just some guy who assumed the throne. Right. He's a, he's a mighty man himself mm-hmm. and a known yep. warrior. Right. And he's let his, all his people go without mm-hmm. him. Yeah. 
says, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Aliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Okay, so that's the, that's the text. <clears throat> they, uh, so the argument that's made is that David is, um, he is abusing his power, and he rapes Bathsheba. Right, yeah. Um, if you'll uh, switch over to the... Uh, to the other screen this is kind of where it i think this is kind of where it originated okay so we've got yeah. this tweet from uh, matt smethurst i'm not sure if that's how you how pronounce his Smethurst. name so this is all the way back in 2019 um his tweet was adam fell noah got drunk abraham lied jacob cheated moses murdered rahab prostituted david fornicated jonah fled thomas doubted peter denied paul persecuted we rebelled jesus redeems all right so the 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 point of the tweet is that jesus can redeem the, the worst of sinners right well rachel den hollander she responds to the tweet david raped it's important we get that right. Uh -huh. All right. So yeah. the original tweet says David fornicated. Mm -hmm. Rachel Den Hollander wants to clarify David raped. Right. Well, fast forward to. Uh, I'm not sure if this. I'm not sure how 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 much further in the future we're going. Um, I'm not sure when the Caring Well Conference was, yeah, I don't know. but it, it was towards the end of, of 2019, I believe. I, okay. I don't think it'd be in, in 2020. Uh, so 2019, um, we've got the Caring Well Conference. Mm. Uh, it's put on by the, the ERLC, our favorite uh, organization in the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> uh, and Russell Moore is, um, he's interviewing Rachel Den Hollander. And uh, so we get this this uh, this conversation. Okay. So we get this little clip yeah. here. K one was here first day, uh, who's a hero of mine. And one of the things that she taught me uh, a while back is in dealing with families who have experienced suicide, uh, the sort of language uh, that can be used that often people don't even think about just in terms of the, the language that they use, can be really harmful and, and destructive. And so to say, don't use language of committing suicide, those sorts of, those sorts of things that, that sometimes people don't even think about. What were some uses of language when it comes to people who are caring for, people that they know in their, their lives who have survived sexual abuse that they should be thinking about ahead of time? Yeah, especially in the church context, one of the most important things you can do is handle scripture well handle it accurately. Make sure that you are treating passages of scripture that deal with, uh, with abuse at, with the same level of exegetical uh, scrutiny that you would apply to any other passage of scripture. An excellent example of this we just saw uh, on Twitter just recently uh, where there was a post and it was a great post about God's redemption. It was not maliciously done in, in any way, shape, or form. She's talking about and the tweet that we just read. Old Testament characters yeah. uh, who had committed grievous sins. Uh, you know, Noah got drunk and this person did this and this person did this. And then it said, David fornicated. Mm. 
David didn't fornicate, David raped. And if you understand the power dynamics and you understand the Hebrew and you look at the Levitical examples and discussion uh, of rape and you understand what Nathan is saying in his parable, it is abundantly clear from that text that David raped. But more often than not, pastors take passages like that and they minimize, downplay, or completely twist what happened. Uh, And they apply it even to survivors like Jen. And they twist what happened with that abuse. And it is devastating. That is one of the reasons that survivors feel so much betrayal from the church. Because so many passages of scripture like this. uh, The woman at the well. Mary Magdalene. uh, The Levitical command uh, that you must cry out if you're abused. uh, The commands related to evidence. We handle those so sloppily. Okay. All right. So there we go. Um, That's her... uh that's her that's her argument. Uh-huh. Um so her argument is that David had so much power. Right. That the, the influence of that power was so great. Yes. That Bathsheba couldn't do anything. Right. She had to just cooperate with what was happening, just go along with the flow. Right. And she was a victim of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason that is is because he's the king. She's no one. She's just well, I wouldn't argue she's no one because she's not no one. Right. Um it, but that's the argument. She's not just some random woman. Right. Right. Um, the, the, the thing that really sticks out to me in this, because people go back to, to, to this, like Rachel Hollander, right. she is the expert. And so she says, we need to handle scripture well. If you look at, if you look at the Hebrew, if you look at the, you know, the Levitical commands and all mm-hmm. of this, I think it's important. Now, this, this is not to say that somebody can't be a, a student of scripture mm-hmm. without you know going to seminary or something but right. i think it's important for us to remember that she's she's not like this expert when it comes to the scriptures the scriptures right so we we need to be careful of the people that are being presented as uh. experts we need to make sure um that we're really listening to what they say and not be so Right. enamored by their credentials. Right. Um, so she, she 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 wants us to handle scripture well. Uh-huh. That's good. I I don't think that she's handling scripture super well here. Yeah. Um, and another thing is that she references Jin. Did you did you catch that? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where this is where it really it really matters. Right. What she's doing. Uh huh. Because she's talking about Jennifer Lyle. Right. And Jennifer Lyle, um, she has been a, a pretty prominent name in the SBC in the last several years, uh-huh. um, especially with the Sexual Abuse Task Force report that came out um, right. the, at the beginning of, of this summer. Jennifer Lyle is the, the woman who um, she claims to have been sexually abused by David Seals, who was a professor at Southern Seminary. Mm-hmm. So she she claims that when she was 26, 25, uh-huh. that he started sexually abusing her. Okay. He was 41, uh-huh. started sexually abusing her. 
um, and that's where that's where this is going. Uh, that it's it's sexual abuse um, because oh, but he because said- he is a professor, and so he's got power, and so he exerts that power over her, and so it's but it's he, not does it's he not, claim to uh, it was consensual relationship. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is similar to the Artazertia. Yes, yeah. situation which I mean, we which we read about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of cases of of uh-huh. this, um, and so it's it's. I mean, we don't have time to go through all the details. It's all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read you can read the sex the sex abuse task force report. It's it's online. Right. Um. So she she claims it's abuse. Rachel Den Hollander she backs that up and says it was abuse. Um. That it was power dynamic, so basically Jennifer Lyle couldn't stop it because right. he has the he has the power. Though it went on for years, it went on for a decade, and she traveled to see him and all she, kinds of she things. She was like, we're not talking about a teenager; mm-hmm. like she's a grown woman, um, and she crossed state lines. She moved. She moved to uh, Iowa, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think it was Iowa. Um, she crossed like she he was in Kentucky. She had the drive to Kentucky um, to continue to, 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 to continue, continue this activity, right. which she says was abuse. Yeah. Um, so we we got to be really <laughs> we got to be really careful because nowadays uh, we, we don't want to we don't want to treat sexual abuse as something that is is light. We, we don't want to downplay it, which mm-hmm. is what. What she's kind of accusing people: if you don't say David raped, then you're you're kind of downplaying and and ignoring this, and it's not as it's not as serious. We we don't want to downplay sexual abuse. People, there is real sexual abuse that happens in churches, mm-hmm. but we don't want to make the definition of abuse so wide and broad that it encompasses everything. Right. Um, it, I have a really hard time seeing a woman who crosses state lines to continue to continue, this activity. to continue as being abused just because this guy's a professor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it. Right. Um, he, I mean, the, the details are David Sills was pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were, he, he was abusive in the relationship, um, but at the same time, it seems like she was a, a at least a willing partner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so we, we got to be we got to be really careful when we're talking about abuse. We want to make sure yeah. that we're that we're actually talking about abuse, and we're not just twisting some things right. like the relationship went bad right. <laughs> or something, and so now it's abuse. We want to make sure that it actually is abuse, so that we can handle abuse as abuse, and we want to handle adultery as adultery. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, because that's the right thing to do, not just according to the Bible, but for the people. Right. Like if if Jennifer Lyle was in an adulterous relationship, she needs to repent of that. Mm-hmm. And by twisting it and saying, "Well, it's okay, you were abused," we're cutting her off from that repentance, so right. that she can she can have the restoration that comes through right. repentance and faith. Yeah. So we, we that's why we want to be really careful. Uh-huh. Like an abuse a, an abuse victim hasn't done anything wrong. Like they haven't they haven't sinned mm-hmm. in being abused. Yeah. And so we wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't tell them you need to repent. 
But if you're in an adulterous affair, if you're fornicating, um, then you do need to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and to not do so is to continue living in sin. And it's to it's well, to be deceiving yourself. So we we just want to be really careful yeah. with this. We do want to interpret scripture well, and so we need to talk about this passage and see what what's actually going on and mm-hmm. why why are people why are people using this as a litmus test? Because she is saying, like if you if you don't say David raped. If you do say like that tweet that she was responding to, David yeah. fornicated, then you are somehow not handling scripture. Not well, handling scripture not well. Faithful. You're not you're not treating it as serious as it is, and that's going to have real world. Well, I, I'm pretty sure she has said in other places that that type of view enables abuse. Mm-hmm. That you're an abuse enabler. Yeah, John Piper, uh, he released a deal where he went through it recently. And he came down that David, uh, he raped Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. But he's not so much maybe importing the modern idea of power dynamics as he's just trying to kind of look at the text and Uh see what it says. Now, I disagree with him, but I thought it was telling, but that Rachel Den Hollander said this after his deal. She said, I have many concerns and disagreements with John Piper, especially on teachings that influence sexual and domestic abuse um, that, that she's referencing can only be John Piper's complementarianism. Right. So you see there's more behind all of this than what's just simply on the surface. Right. So she said, I have many concerns with disagreements with John Piper, especially on the teachings that influence sexual sexual and domestic abuse dynamics, but I truly appreciate his willingness to address a controversial issue again and do so with clarity and fairness. So she's glad the conclusions came to, but she has many concerns with his complementarianism right his teaching because that right. enables abuse right so there's there's a lot more behind this than than simply what we're seeing here on the surface mm-hmm. but if we just deal with the text right um, I'll just tell you like here's John Piper's argument and it's a decent argument um, he gets to the language of the messengers that David sends so David is the king he sends he acquires who is this very beautiful woman on the roof it's the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and he sends messengers, and they took her. So he he kind of zeroes in on that word, they took her. Mm-hmm. The word carries a range of meanings. I looked it up, uh, other than it seized by force mm-hmm. is being kind of maybe read into the word. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, if the king comes and sends for somebody, they're, they're going, mm-hmm. right? So we can agree with that, that they're going to go. Um, and she came to him, and she lay with him. So the the language that's here, though, and describe describing what's here, um, doesn't carry the idea of force. Now you may could say there's coercion. There's always coercion, though, in sexual activities. That's what we have to understand. Men do use their power and their money to mm-hmm. seduce women, right? To coerce them mm-hmm. to having sex with them. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they've been abused. On the other side of it, though, women also do the same thing to men. Mm. They seduce men. Now, this may come as a shock to people, but women will use other means to get men to sin. And men in power. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so what's going on behind behind Rachel Den Hollander's um, words is this, this, uh, this worldview of the power, the power structures. Uh-huh. <laughs> We throw it out a lot. We want to be really careful when we when we throw it out. But this is 
if it's not maybe it's not full blown critical race theory, right? But it's still it's still got components of it, right? The people in power always are abusing those who don't have the power, right? That's that's the that is the ideology that's going into her biblical exegesis. The Uh person who's in power is the one responsible. The person who doesn't have the power is the abuse. They're the victim. Mm-hmm. And in the real world, that simply is not the case. There are very clear examples of women seducing men in power. Right. Um, women are sinners also. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they will use seduction to gain influence and access to money and to say that it's always the person that's got the money and the power and the and mm-hmm. the influence they're always abusing and the the one without the power is always the victim <clears throat> it simply does not hold up in here's, the real world here's kind of how the culture has swung in back in the day uh, monica Lewinsky was seen to have played a role in what happened mm-hmm. right with bill clinton and their affair that they had in the White House. So Monica Lewinsky, I think she's a 22-year-old intern, Bill Clinton, the President of the United States, obviously a lot of power, and he's a pretty charming guy, apparently. So he's known to be a, a, a seducer, even before he's the President. Like, yeah, he's, he's a womanizer. A, he's a womanizer. That's right. what he is. And she, I mean, in her own words, t- lays out explicitly how she laid a trap for him. I mean, she she seduced him. Mm-hmm. She did certain things, like she would bend over in front of him and like make sure her underwear were showing right. on purpose, mm-hmm. so he could look at it. And then, and then they then that would bring flirtation, and then they would flirt more. And she's actively actively involved in trying to seduce the president. Right. And uh, of course, he's a willing participant. He's a ladies' man. Right. Um, but to then say today, they today it would totally be reinterpreted under these power dynamics things, mm-hmm. and say no, president the president abused her. Like uh, you know, that's not that's not what she was saying. That's not what she said in her own words. Like eventually, obviously, the the power thing played a role where she like fell in love with him, and of course he was nothing to her. Right. Right. He's she's just a little fun for him on the side. Right. So she falls in love with the president, but. That's not how it began. Yeah. And so she's and in the Christian worldview, she's engaged in sin. Yeah. She needs to she needs to repent of that mm-hmm. of her sin and but not in this power dynamic pl- things that are at play here. She wouldn't be there's nothing for her to repent of. Mm-hmm. The president is the one who because of his power right. uh bears all the responsibility. And that's kind of how they're looking at this deal. They're they're reading more into what's here than what is said. And right? I, you, you can see this in the book of Proverbs, Solomon is writing this, and he keeps warning who the young his man, son, yeah, his sons, right? Yeah, the sons of the king who have power. Yeah, watch out. He warns them almost every other chapter against the adulterous woman. Yeah, the seducer. Yeah, the one who would seduce. I mean, yeah. uh, who wouldn't want to seduce the king's son? Mm-hmm. You could. You get in on the, the ground floor, right? Right. You know, um, it, it, to to just completely dismiss a woman's um, activity is, I think, to downplay their 
their agency mm-hmm. and their responsibility. And uh, my wife even said we were talking about this, and she said it's it's kind of it's kind of insulting yeah. to think that a woman is this powerless creature in the in right. the face of someone that has power and authority and money. Right. Um, yeah. it, and I. I would I would say yeah I mean it, right. it seems like it would be insulting especially for these especially for people like Rachel Den Hollander who is probably a soft <laughs> a soft yeah, complementarian sure. which is really just an an egalitarian they don't they don't <laughs> like the they don't like the differences in the gender um to to say that a woman is this powerless helpless person that can't that can't help but be abused mm-hmm. yeah i would i would uh, think that that would be pretty offensive well, see, to, here, to women so one of the so one of the problems i have today this this, this is a rabbit trail i think that's worth going down is in the christian world the reason that people are susceptible to this like hey look there's nothing she could do she's powerless you know all of this um is because we've our the way we view women christian women is more influenced by like medieval romanticism mm. or, or or even the period after that mm-hmm. uh after the medieval period the uh, after the enlightenment the uh, the downton abbey like yeah. women are dainty <laughs> yeah. um they're not they're not the proverbs 31 woman mm. the proverbs 31 woman she's feminine but she's strong right she's 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 bold. you can't get anything from that that she's bold she makes her arms strong mm-hmm. Um, but, but they're Christian, not they're not mutually exclusive, right? And so we have this kind of idea that women can't do anything. Mm-hmm. They can't. So oh, she couldn't even cry out, right? She can't even cry out for help, right? Because the power dynamics are too strong. Mm-hmm. What? It, and so in my mind, I'm thinking, and I mean, I've talked with my kid, with my daughter. Uh, I'll talk with my younger one about it too. Is you know, you don't. You you fight. You have to fight if something happens like this, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's not a violent, like someone comes at you violently. Of course, obviously, you're going to fight. Yeah. You know, red tooth and claw, and I mean like eye gouging, <laughs> nose yeah. nose biting. Uh-huh. Like, but if it's a power dynamic like this, like say it's a pastor, whatever, mm-hmm. you don't just like go along with it because you're scared of the guy's power. Mm-hmm. You fight against him, yeah. and you out him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was that all of uh, was that was that the main thrust of, of Piper's argument? Is the, so, the they no. take her? They took. He seizes on the word "took." They come yeah. and they took her, mm-hmm. and then he comes down to uh, where David is confronted by the prophet. Okay. And so the parable that Nathan says to David, he comes to David afterward because God sends him to him mm-hmm. after he's done this great sin. Well, there's more. I mean, we didn't read the rest of the story. Right. The rest of the story unfolds where she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uriah, he's, David sends for Uriah mm-hmm. to come back from the battlefield because yeah. he's trying to think, ah, Uriah will come back and he'll go lay with his wife and mm-hmm. I can cover up that I got her pregnant. Right. But Uriah is an honorable man mm-hmm. and he won't go into his wife while his soldiers right. can't come back to their wives. Yeah. Um, so I read something and it, it's pretty convincing um, that this wasn't a big secret. Yeah. Like it's not a secret that only David and Bathsheba know. <laughs> right. Who took her? His servants. Yeah, it's, it's there's got, a bunch of people in the palace. Um, people talk. Right. Um, Uriah is not a nobody. Right. Uriah is one of David's mighty men. Uh-huh. Like one of 
the the thirty. Yeah, he's the a thirty dude. closest. He's a dude. Closest guys. Yeah, right. Um, and what uh, what I can't even remember who made this argument is that it, this would not have been a secret that when Uriah gets back, he he learns about this, mm-hmm. and he's he's shaming David. Mm-hmm. Like he won't go. He won't go to his house because right. the army is out in the field. David's at home, right? Like he's he's shaming yeah. David. So it's not so much the it's not so much the unwanted pregnancy that that uh, David kills Uriah for. It's because it's an honor. It's an honor culture, uh-huh. and David is shaming going to be him. shamed. David's going to be shamed in right. this. Uh-huh. Um, and so he orchestrates Uriah's murder. Yeah. On the battlefield. So he, he sends Uriah back mm-hmm. and tells him, take Uriah, who's probably very high-ranking military official, uh, make him go to where the battle is the strongest, take him there so that he'll die yeah. in the heat of the battle. Right. And that's what happens, he dies. So then the prophet comes and confronts David. And so Nathan says to David, this is chapter 12, he came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks, and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb. It's like his little lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him, but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. So then Piper comes down here and says, Look, David's messengers went and they took, and this is the picture of a lamb who is helpless, and what happens, the rich man comes and he takes the lamb from the man. Mm -hmm. Um, So the same language he says is employed, Mm -hmm. meaning that uh, Bathsheba is a little lamb and there's nothing that she could do. So so I was reading that argument. I don't think it was from Piper, but it was from someone else that, that the little you lamb is this innocent lamb and, and uh, the, the rich man takes, takes this little you lamb and, and eats the, the lamb and and that's rape. Mm Mm-hmm. But as I was reading it, it also says that Nathan says that um, the man, um, he was unwilling to take one of his own flock. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, if we're, if we're going to employ the, the language of take as rape, what is Nathan saying? That David should, don't rape someone else. You got your own wives to rape. Right. Like that, it doesn't like it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the the you got to apply it to both sides. Right. Uh, and this is a principle for parables that you don't you don't um, you don't push parables to their right. limits. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not. It's not an allegory. It's it's a parable. Um, and so we have to make sure that we're understanding what is being communicated. <clears throat> it's not. Yeah. It's not. The point is not. Um go and rape your own wife uh-huh. <laughs> it's it is um he has everything right he has everything yeah. that's the whole point david when david uh, when nathan points out you're the man um he says god has given you all these all these wives and you went and took someone else's wife uh-huh. um yeah. it's more of a story of 
you're not you're not happy with what God has given you. So the this word, for instance, is also used. <laughs> I mean, when God takes a rib out of Adam. Oh yeah. I don't think we're implying a rape there. Right. Right. It's used in a wide variety of places, a wide variety of ways, mm-hmm. and has numerous kind of nuances. And the ones I'm reading about don't really contain the idea of violence. Yeah. Or taken against someone's will. Mm-hmm. Um, and we 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 can look at um, the the story in its context. David is walking on in, in at his palace. Mm-hmm. His palace is up on the top of a hill. Um, it overlooks the city. Um, you've got a woman who's bathing on the top of her roof mm-hmm. um she should not be surprised that um the palace is in sight right? right um so what's going on here why is she why is she doing this um obviously david is sinning we we certainly don't want to pin everything on bathsheba but right. there are questions that we can ask um legitimate questions but not just in the in the context of the story, but we go over a couple of chapters mm-hmm. and there's an actual rape. Right. This is, this is one that I think this is one of the, the strongest arguments against the idea that Bathsheba was raped mm-hmm. because of what happens. Um, she came to him and lay and they, and he lay with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what's described there is not, uh, a violent laying, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But what we have here, two chapters over, right. <clears throat> is explicit language, w- which is you cannot possibly misinterpret as a, it's a rape. Mm-hmm. And you have the uh, what the woman was doing and thinking afterward mm-hmm. about it. Right. We don't have any of that in this other, other right. case. Right. So, yeah, you want to read that? Uh, yeah. Um, it's a little long. But, uh, yeah, you don't have to read all of it. Just kind of read. The, the, okay, so so um, David has multiple sons. One of his sons is Amnon. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a a, a daughter, a Tamar. Okay. Now they are half siblings because David has multiple wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amnon loves his. He is infatuated with her. Yeah. Um, a little side note when it says that Amnon loves his sister it's the word agape mm-hmm. he's got a strong love for her um, and so he's distressed over it what, what am I supposed to do and so he's got a friend who says why don't you uh, why don't you pretend like you're sick and have your sister make you some bread and um, you can eat it from her hand yeah so um, Amnon takes his friend's advice, pretends that he's sick, has his sister come in and bring uh, and bake some bread. Um, it says she, uh, verse 9 of Second uh, Samuel chapter 13, she took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, send out everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cake she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. 
As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her, and being stronger than she, he violated her. The Hebrew word, I think, is humiliated. Mm -hmm. He humiliated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her, and Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore, and she laid her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. That's an obvious rape. Right. Right. Yes. And I, I think I think that we, again, I agree with Rachel Den Hollander. We need to treat scripture, we need to treat it carefully and accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we do need to treat rape in scripture as rape. Yes. But where it's not rape... I think we don't need to treat it as rape. And I think that we need to do that, and it has real-world implications because there are real rape victims, Mm -hmm. and we need to care for them well as victims. And we need to make sure that we're not treating people who are not rape victims as victims. Yeah. Um, For the sake of of real victims, we need to make sure that our, our definitions and the way that we're treating people is is accurate. Right. Um because we we do want to treat victims with love and compassion we want to deal with we need to deal with right. a person who has abused or raped um in a, a a lawful way um and so we need to make sure that we're we're really defining things well right. so that yeah. for the sake of those that are actual victims we don't want them to uh, I, we don't yeah. want them to we don't want to treat other people who are not the victims of these things right. um, in the same way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, so in a roundup, what they like you said, what they can end up doing is down is if well, if if ever you heard the term, if if everything is important, nothing's important. Mm-hmm. Well, if everything's a rape, then nothing's a rape. Yeah. Right. Well, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. There are people who are victims of like bad rapes. Right. And when you lump in the power dynamic thing, and especially like when you've got ta- when you've got someone that actually was was violated yeah. and humiliated by uh-huh. someone that probably they trusted, yeah, and you lump them in with a woman that crossed state lines um, to be with her abuser, abuser I, something just is off. Oh yeah, something does not something does not uh-huh. sit right with me um, in that. Right. Yeah. Um, we you don't want to and like everyone is prone to reading their own experience into the Bible, mm-hmm. and that's I think what we're having today is. I think this is a new interpretation. I, I'd have to go back and look through time and and to see, but. Um, I think the best you could say is you don't know for sure. Uh, because uh, there's just not enough information. Yeah. But I think a strong case can be made by what's not there in this particular case because of the story of the rape uh, two chapters yeah, later. Yeah, there's, there's a rape two chapters later. It, Bathsheba does I haven't done an, an in-depth study on rape in the Bible, but um, just just 
from the off the top of my head think there are real rapes in yes. the Bible, and they're recorded, and, and they're recorded. Uh, Jacob's Jacob's daughter, uh-huh. um, she's she's raped. Um, we've got the uh, the Levite's concubine in Judges nineteen. She's raped. Uh-huh. We've got Tamar. She's raped. Um, and it seems like everywhere that that rape is is actually occurring, mm-hmm. the Bible makes it very explicit. Uh, right. The the violence, the shame. So um, it's it is presented in all of its horror. Yeah, and I, and I think if God wanted us to know David was a raper, mm-hmm. I mean, He's just going to make it clear, right, that he raped her. Yeah, um, there wouldn't be this question of back and forth because it's so clear elsewhere. And here you don't have you don't have Bathsheba doing the same. Um, I want to I want to do like a little ice of Jesus and show how you can read your own experience into the text because that's what I think is going on. But first, if we're going to just speculate, before I do my ice of Jesus, okay? Before I, and this is the only time that I'll ever do it, it's just for to show how they're reading power dynamics into it. I'm going to read this like a soldier, okay? okay? In a second, sure. But something to, that is to be considered, and this isn't, vic, they'll say you're a victim blamer because Bathsheba was raped. What's not in the text, there's not enough. You could speculate the other way. Yeah. You, can, you, could, you could say she's, uh, Bathsheba is the Monica Lewinsky in this story. Like, <laughs> yeah. she knows David, right? They, this is not the first time they've been around each other. Right. She she probably knows the king's out taken taken in the evening on the on the rooftop mm-hmm. uh, out on his balcony, yeah. and that her roof has the king can see her, see her from the roof. Mm. So she goes out to take a bath yeah. when she knows that the king will see her. Yeah. So you could speculate that way. Now right. I'm that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm not, I, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's important. That's an important point. Don't swing too far the other direction. Right. David send. Yeah, massively, <laughs> massively. Um, but to to say Bathsheba was just a victim is saying more than what the text says. Right. But to say that she's actively seducing him, that's saying more than the text yes. is saying too. Yeah. And I think this is this is this is what's so important. The story is not about Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. The story is not about her. It's about David. Right. He's the, he is the Lord's anointed one. Um, God has, uh, this, is, this is chapter 11. Chapter 7, God gives the covenant to him. Right. Um, we've, we've, got, we've got a story going on, and it's not a story about Bathsheba, and it's not a story about power dynamics. It's a story about how David's not the Messiah. Right. He's not the Messiah. He has done some wicked things. How is God going to fulfill his promises? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, my wife, I think she hit it on the head. Why? Why are people so, so? Uh, they're so obsessed with this story and trying to to say David's a rapist. Um, she says because they they really don't like that God forgave him. Yeah. Because in this in this this ideology. I mean, we've talked about it, especially with with critical race theory and the sin of whiteness and reparations, and there's no forgiveness. Ever, yeah. Um, it's the same with this this power dynamic stuff. There's not forgiveness. There's never forgiveness. It's yeah. never enough. You gotta you gotta sue you gotta sue these organizations so you can get enough money, but it's never enough. 
Mm. Like you're you're just going to continually be hurt by it, and there's never any there's never any forgiveness. There's never anything, and so they're they're mad. They're mad yeah. that that David is forgiven, um, and that's that's kind of the the whole point. Right. <laughs> the whole point is God's grace to David, who mm. doesn't deserve it, and so we get Psalm yeah. fifty one, and it, yeah. it just highlights um, God's grace. You know, to and sinners. even though David is forgiven. If you keep reading, a big part of it is, is how sin destroys everything. Even though God forgives David, um, the repercussions of what he has done reverberate through his family. And vi- God, I believe God says that violence will never depart his house. Yeah, this, and that's this what le- happens. This leads to Absalom's mm-hmm. revolt. Yeah. Uh, but it's also important for us to realize that God brings good out of of evil. Yeah, that. Um, David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. Um, she has another child. Her first child dies. That's part of the punishment on on David. Um, but she has another child. It's Solomon. Yeah. And what we see in Matthew chapter one is Bathsheba is actually in the lineage of Jesus. Right. Um, God brings. I mean, this is a horrific evil. Mm-hmm. God brings the the greatest good. Out of yeah, out of evil he brings the Messiah. So what they what is being done is people's experience and their knowledge, yeah. their learn like knowledge that you and I don't have knowledge about abuse. It could be either personal uh, experience of knowledge of abuse, yeah. which they say, look, this is how an abuse victim would read this passage, yeah. or it's education. They've been educated and enlightened into this these understandings of the way abuse actually works. Then the text is read. So I'm going to read the text like a soldier. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you, um, which is probably more accurate <laughs> to what's right. going on here because we're talking about soldiers. We're talking about their commander. Yeah. Um, and a soldier out on the battlefield, and he's left his wife at home while he's out risking his life. Yeah. So David's great sin in here, his greatest sin. I'm not saying this is what it is. I'm just interpreting it from my yeah, yeah. Jesus. His greatest sin here, other than sinning directly against God, is betraying one of his best friends mm. and killing him. Yeah. So David has a den of mighty men. These guys are legendary warriors. You can't even imagine how close that he would be with Uriah the Hittite. They've been on the run from Saul together. They survived the wilderness. They've done many great battles. David's ascended the throne. Uriah's right by his side. <clears throat> legendary warrior, and when Uriah goes out to fight, David stays back. So Uriah already feels a little betrayed, right? Because the rest of them are out fighting David's war. David's a mighty warrior. He could be there. He's not. But what David does is he becomes Jody. We got a term for this in the okay. army. Okay. So Jody is the person who gets your wife while you're gone, mm. while you're deployed. I don't know where the word Jody comes from. It goes way, way back in military history. This would this is what it would be like, George. It would be like you and I are best 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 friends, old time war buddies. I deploy. Why I'm out on my deployment, you take my wife. We we call that uh, your Jody. You become Jody. So it is an it's an a betrayal of epic proportions for your best friend, one of your best friends, while you are away at war to take your wife from you. Yeah, like it's this is an old. <clears throat> You know, this stuff has happened before. So that there's that betrayal. But then there's not only that betrayal, but when I come back 
and I find out about it and I know what's going on, I'm in on it, you send me to somewhere where you know I'm going to get killed. Mm. So this is the the massive betrayal. Um, and you could see it in, uh, I, I could argue, and I'm just isogeting here now, how they would say, look, uh, look at the parable of the lamb. If you read the parable of the lamb, who's the who's the one that's harmed? Who's the who's the party that's harmed in that story? It's the is the story the, about the lamb? No, no, it's uh, it's about the other guy. It, it it's about Uriah. The story is about Uriah and what was taken from him. Mm-hmm. So it appears that if we're just going to go off that parable and try to use it, the crime is what David stole from Uriah. Mm. What did David steal? Yeah. He stole his wife. And but you don't want to talk about stuff like that, right? Because now you're talking about do did men own women? And the answer is they did. Right. Uriah's wife belonged to him. Mm-hmm. Uriah probably performed some great feat uh, to uh, who who is her father? What's her father's name? Her grandfather is Hithophel. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her father's name, but you know, mm-hmm. you did something to to purchase that bride. There's a bride price that you paid. And this is all like how God protects women in the Old Testament, right? The daughter belongs to the to the father. He protects her until he gives her to another man who will provide and protect for her. So David took her and took his property that he was charged with all of his honor with protecting till he dies. Mm. And he took that from him. Yeah. So it's a grave crime against Uriah the Hittite. Right. Uh, that's how... I would eisegete it if I was going to eisegete it. David's greatest crime was taking from one of his best friends his wife and thus robbing him of all of his honor. Yeah. So he should never be forgiven ever. <laughs> right? That's how the story right. ends. Yeah. Right. Of course not. Like we, yeah. But we can't do that. Just right. like I can't eisegete the text and read all of my military background into the text, mm-hmm. you don't get to read all the other power dynamics into the text either. You just got to take the text for what it says. Right. Uh, if it turns out in the end that that this is the way it was, that he was also a raper, um, then then he did. But guess what? David, I believe David is in heaven with Uriah and with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. and people don't like that. <laughs> right. They don't like that part. Yeah. God forgave him <clears throat> a murder. This is the other thing that I'm like, how are you guys forgetting that he murdered a guy? <laughs> Like you're yeah. focusing all of this like he's a raper. Like mm-hmm. like rape is the worst sin in the entire world. He actually killed an image bearer of God in cold blood. Yeah. It's a strange thing for people to to cue in on. Yeah, and you you have to ignore the rest of the story and and she becomes one of David's wives and she has influence on him and at at the beginning of of uh First Kings, I mean she's all of his other wives disappear. And it's mm-hmm. Bathsheba, right? Um, she has she has massive influence on him. Yeah, it's, it's to just focus on that one the one part and ignore the entire story is is also kind of bizarre. Uh, I don't know if we're treating scripture right correctly when we do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we want we want to treat we want to treat abuse and rape as the serious sin that it is. We don't. Right. We don't want to downplay it. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't want to. We certainly don't want to ignore it. We want to deal with it the way that we're supposed to, mm-hmm. um, by bringing in the the authorities 
in a you know if it's if if something illegal has happened we let we let the government wield the sword um the church wields discipline as uh, as it is um commanded in the scriptures yeah um we don't want to ignore it yeah i mean the, the sbc has gotten into so much trouble because there have been churches that have just they downplayed have, yeah. it and they've they ignored have, yeah. it and they've 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 known that someone has abused and they've covered they it up it. or they and they've sent the person off yeah. to another church and now it's uh yeah. now it's coming back um department of justice is mm-hmm. investigating the yeah. southern baptist convention right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah so lots of lots of terrible things that we we don't want to we don't want to downplay right um, but we want to treat the scriptures. Here's how I think the correctly. church begins to address it. Number one, you got to raise good men, yeah. right? You raise raise your men to where they'll never be an abuser of a woman in any capacity. They would treat her as an image bearer of God. Would never use their strength, their physical strength, or not even just their physical strength, just the sheer um, intimidating factor that a man can have just by his presence mm. because that that's something we have women have like this seduction deal well men just by their very nature and presence around women can be intimidating to n- be aware of that and never ever use that against a woman to always respect them as a sister to treat someone as if they're your actual sister in Christ um, so how you would treat your sister is how you should treat any woman until you become married right um, and to be a uh, to to be someone who is has full control of their body, right? This is something that's maybe not taught well. That to be a man really should be means that you're mastered by nothing. Nothing is the master of you except for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not given over to substance abuse, ra- irrational thinking. You don't make spontaneous, stupid decisions, and you are not easily seduced because you have control of your body uh, and your mind. On the other hand, like, uh, we need to raise women to be strong women, to not be victims, to be no victim of any man, right? Uh, I would be totally shamed and embarrassed if my daughter ever engaged in something like what you described that one woman being engaged in, it would be an embarrassment on, on our entire family name and house. The world would say, that's power dynamics. And they can say whatever they want. I will treat my daughter as if she has full agency as a human, and she is able to uh, stand against temptations and pressure. Of course women get pressure put on them. This is, this is a man's world. I don't care what anybody says. It's still a man's world. Men are able to put tremendous pressure and influence on women, and they do it all the time. So you got to raise your women to be stronger than that, to know that, to know that men try to manipulate, apply pressure. They'll do it. They'll do it in college, starting in college. They'll do it in the workforce. If they, if your wife ever uh, is at work, if your wife works, she's experienced it. Shocker, right? Don't raise weak. Don't raise weak women. Um, Teach them to have respect for themselves. The same things that would apply to men apply to women. Uh, you know, um, I, I try to imagine right the scenario. I would hope that if my daughter was an intern for the president of the United States and he tried to seduce my daughter, 
that she'd be willing to get fired mm. than rather be seduced by the president of the United States, right? Yeah. <laughs> raise that type of a girl. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you raise biblical men, you raise biblical women, um, a lot of the stuff's going to take care of itself in the church. Yeah. And then in the church, um, I, I, think, I think the biggest problem in the SBC is that they don't have regenerate church members. Yeah, one hundred percent. Why? Why are there? Why are there? Why are there guys in churches who are abusing women and children? Mm-hmm. And why are there leaders in churches that are letting them get away with it? Exactly. Yeah, it's because they're unregenerate. Yeah, it's it's because they're unregenerate and they're weak. Yeah. Um. Not not I'll only say, not I, only should not only should um the individual men respect women mm-hmm. but the church the church should be filled with strong men that won't let this stuff happen how do you cover up a sex abuse in your church george i'm <laughs> right. gonna tell you I, yeah i i could i'm just gonna say if in, in our church and i don't care if people don't like it <laughs> if something happened a sexual abuse thing happened in our church of course the police are gonna get called uh-huh. uh, but they're gonna get called after me and amake and a couple other guys <laughs> now you're dragging now you're dragging all amake and he <laughs> Into this. <laughs> hey, somebody's getting tuned up real bad. Yeah, and then we'll call the police. Yeah, we. Yeah, we, I'll go I mean, to, we, Hey, I'll go to jail for six months for assault. Yeah, you abuse one of these little kids in our church. Right, you're getting messed up. Yeah, we we want to be a. We want to. We should have churches that are filled with godly men who protect women and children. Yeah, and this this kind of stuff <laughs> isn't going to fly. Mm-hmm. We want this to be a dangerous church for people that want to come in and take advantage of of children or or the women in our church. Yeah, for sure, not, not in this church. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just mind boggling to me how these pastors know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what some of these men have done, and yeah. you're talking high high power. Oh yeah, people in the SPD, and they just pass them on to other churches. Right. Absolutely insane. Yeah. I feel like God is just destroying the SBC. Mm-hmm. He's just dismantling it. Right. Yeah. It deserves it. Mm-hmm. It deserves it. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about we're talking about people. I I don't know if it's because they they think this is going to bring shame on their name and their reputation. I don't know what it is. But whatever they're trying to avoid is coming home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's coming home the roost. Mm-hmm. Um you can't you can't avoid it because this kind of sin it doesn't stay in the dark right yeah that's true yeah that's good all right you want to shut it down we've gone 114 ish 114 well yeah. if you skip to if you skip to 16 if you skip to 16 to be right around an hour around. yeah all yeah right. good okay well um i know this is uh this has been a serious topic i, I hope that we've um we've dealt with it um in a biblically faithful way though probably not in a uh, culturally acceptable way uh, for sure yeah but we want to be we want to be faithful to what the the Bible is teaching um, and we certainly could say more uh, there's there's other passages we could have looked at um, but uh, just trying to help because this is going around the internet um, we want to we want to help you guys to be able to engage with this stuff in a biblical way. So, hopefully, we have been able to do that. Uh, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Um, of course, uh, send us an email uh, if you have any further questions that we can clarify on. And uh, we'll see you next time.